Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. This is a poem called A Great Time by W.H. Davis. Sweet chance that led my steps abroad beyond the town where wild flowers grow. A rainbow and a cuckoo, Lord, how rich and great the times are now. Know all ye sheep and cows that keep on staring that I stand so long in grass that's wet from heavy rain. A rainbow and a cuckoo song may never come together again, may never come this side of the tomb. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you fruity and crumbly muffin. Today we're going to tickle your auricles with not one but two episodes for you, both dedicated to the genius that is Jurgen Klopp and the wonderful times he has given us all. The idea for a Jurgen Klopp tribute has directly been inspired by the new and absolutely outstanding documentary, which is simply called Jurgen by our friends at the Anfield Wrap. And here with me to talk about it right now, I have Neil Atkinson. Neil, thank you so much for being with us. You must be unreservedly cock-a-hoop about the new documentary. What kind of response have you received since the first episode came out on YouTube for free on Tuesday? How has it been since then? It's been hugely positive and thank you very much indeed. And I'm delighted to be greeted by W.H. Davis, uh, one of the finer Welsh poets that I think there's been across the last uh, 150 years or so. So it's great to be greeted by by W.H. himself. It's been so rich in the way in which people have responded to what we do and what we're about. We expect that to an extent. You know, we... I feel like the you've got to trust an audience, as I'm sure you know, Owen. You've got to trust the people, and you've got to always feel as though the people will want to find their way to really good, engaging, rich work. And you know, there's there's a documentary to be made about Jurgen Klopp, which, for instance, just does the hits, does the talking points, does well. He did this in Dortmund, and we can hear about all the fantastic bits. We can we can talk about great moments in Liverpool. We could maybe try and be scurrilous in some way, shape, or form, but that's not what I think people want. What people want, I think, is to understand key moments. So our first episode that came out is called The Challenge, and it's about the idea that we set what the three football clubs that he managed, what the challenge was at that moment, what the challenge of those clubs is overall, Liverpool, Dortmund and Mainz, and then this this idea of the challenger, which is Jürgen and his background in Glatten, and then his first roles in football in Frankfurt, and then what that challenge was in that exact moment when he became Mainz manager, when he was offered the Dortmund opportunity, and then when he was offered the Liverpool opportunity. And that's how he wants to frame it in this sort of quite sort of flowery way where we, we we go on this little bit of a journey, this curve, where, as I say, it would be easy to think people would just want the Liverpool stuff or just want the Dortmund stuff. But we wanted to give people all of this. And then within that as well, we wanted to explain a sense of place, a sense of place for Liverpool, but we know the audience knows Liverpool, a sense of what what Dortmund is and was, a sense of what Mainz is, and then going all the way back to find out about Glatten. 
which is where Jürgen grew up. And, you know, the 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 team who went to film it, the who directed it, you know, went out to Glatton. They were there for, for some period of time and they loved the place and really warmed to it. So we wanted to tell that story. And then a sense of Frankfurt too. We wanted to really offer people a sense of place that you often don't get from sports documentaries. Normally it's all about rivalries or power struggles. And what we wanted to have instead was a sense of the peace of Glatton the increased intensity of Frankfurt, the machinery of Dortmund, and then the dockside wonder of Liverpool. And hopefully we've managed to tell that story just in episode one to set up what's going to come next. Uh, I mean, it's a triumph, I've got to say. In my <laughs> opinion. That'll I, do. I, no, no, the reviews really. are in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If there were six stars, I would give it that six. Ah. Absolutely. It's 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 terrific. I love it. Even the production value is really impressive, yeah. you know, the, the the way that it's edited, you know, I'm I'm far from an expert. I just watch stuff yeah. like a lot of people. And you must be really happy with all of that. So stuff some people some people have, yeah, some people have said, you know, this could be on Netflix and, and they mean that as a compliment. And I, I take it as a compliment. But one of the things that, that makes me sort of stop and dwell on is, you know, you talk about the quality and what they mean by that is about the quality of the production values, the quality of the editing, like you said. But Fuad Hassan, who's 24 years old, he works in our office and, and, and does lots of brilliant stuff with us and he's good on shows. He talks about Liverpool. But it was his idea, and it's Fuad who's gone on to direct it. Jordan Singleton, who right now is up there working on episode two and episode three uh, in terms of pulling the edit together. It's, you know, Jordan's background. He's worked with us now for four years or so, uh, and he's done some fantastic work with us prior to this point. He's such a good editor. But he's took the lead in editing it. You know, there's lots of people, lots of voices. You know, we've got we've got Sam and we've got Ash who work on video all the time, and both Fuad and Jordan different times have got feedback from me and from others, and we've we've worked on things together. Don't get me wrong, but if you know, if I'd have done this with Netflix, if when Fuad gives me the idea, I'd have taken it to Netflix and said, "We want to do this. Do you want to work with us on it?" Then first and foremost, it wouldn't be ready now. Secondly, they wouldn't give the opportunities to people like Fuad and Jordan. And you understand why, because there's huge sums of money involved and also they just simply don't know them. It's not me criticising, really, but it's more what I wanted and what I always like to have at the Anfield Wrap is just constant opportunity. Opportunity to do good things, opportunity to do fun things, opportunity to pe for people to stretch themselves. And for Jordan and Fuad, this has been, you know, it's been a big stretch. You know, it's been a, a big ask. And for the whole team, whilst all this has been going on, Liverpool have been playing a game every three days. And as you know, Owen, you know, at the Anfield Wrap, we, we, do, we do somewhere between eight and ten videos a week and 14 podcasts a week and for our subscribers. And they won't have seen that diminish. They won't have seen the quality of that diminish. But that's, that, that's been the case. The whole team's been working on all of that. And in the meantime, in the background, all this other work's been going on as well. So it's a whole team effort. Everyone's been themselves. Everyone's been the best version of themselves. Everyone's really backed what we're, we're trying to achieve here internally to get the positive response is great. But what it also is, is testament to, I think, is the, the ability of ordinary or people who will be deemed ordinary to do the unlikely, to find a way to tell a story, to find a way to, to be the best version of themselves when you give them the opportunity to do it. And for me, that's the you know the best part of this win. There's still more episodes to come. The partnership with Erdinger has been fantastic. You know, they came on very late in the day and they they trusted the process. They trusted what they've seen. They trusted us to sort of finish the job. They haven't been giving us lots and lots of notes, which are, sometimes when you work with corporate people, they do want to give a lot of notes. And they want to have a certain amount of control. Instead, they've offered a lot of trust. We've put a lot of trust in our young people and they've delivered this thing and I couldn't be prouder of them. 
It's brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant. everyone, everyone who listens to this, um, obviously, don't stop what you're doing right now. That old cliche. No, no, no. Wait till the end of this episode and then go on to YouTube and Google it. Um, it's called Jürgen. Let's talk about Jürgen. And I was thinking, forgive me, because I'm going to, you know, in direct rebellion against all accepted interview technique. This is going to be a long question. So That's please be fine. I do them all the time. Okay, okay, good. Okay, because I've been thinking about your role specifically. Now, your role at the Anfield Rap, you need to necessarily take a step back, zoom out, um, look at everything from different angles. You're, you, you know, as someone I've listened to you over the years, you, you're you're interviewing people and you're asking questions of people and you're hosting shows and you're putting shows together where you get lots of different opinions and you need to in that in that sort of um you know scenario you need to step back and but i want to i want to go into neil atkinson and his relationship with jürgen a little bit instead of we can just sit here panegyrizing which is a new word for me too which is a synonym of eulogizing or lauding or singing the praises of extolling the many virtues of our dear leader jürgen I'd like to ask you to think about Jürgen's impact on you personally. So while you're thinking about it, right, I can tell you that for me, since Jürgen took over in 2015, seven years ago, I remember once when I, I used to sell nails and screws at a builder's merchant for a job when I was 19. Um, I did that for a while, and there was a guy who worked with me, Tony, who was convinced that absolutely everybody, their cells regenerate every seven years, and they're an entirely different person. So let's say, for example, Tony was right, okay? And over the years, if I look back since 2015, I've, for me personally, I've stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. I've tried to become a better person. At times, I've searched deep within myself. I'm, you know, I, like many people, I have my anxieties, my fears, my bad sides, and try and work out how I can overcome some of these things. How can I rectify some of those faults in my character and some of this self betterment, this change towards accepting my weaknesses and trying to turn them into po positives? I can directly attribute to Jurgen Norbert. Klopp, certain ideas and character traits that he has, such as in, uh, honesty, integrity, fighting against adversity to get to something good at the end. They've truly inspired me and genuinely given me a more positive outlook on life. And I just want to ask you, um, is that weird or is that something you can relate to? How has he affected you? I don't think that's weird. I think, you know, for me, there's 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 obviously both professional, given, you know, the fact that the Anfield rap, unfortunately, it's my full-time job. There's both professional aspects to this and personal aspects, and to sort of run through a couple of them. I find, have found and find that when I look back on doing the Anfield rap, there's obviously the initial excitement around doing it. And then there's the two things happen relatively close together. One is that we start to do the live radio show and there's nothing quite like doing live radio and loving live radio, by the way, that really offers a, a sense of, of, of the way in which you want to be a communicator in an audio sphere, who you want to speak to, why you want to speak to them, how you want to speak to them to really sort of engage internally in that conversation, I think is interesting. And then not too long after, there's the there's the Brendan Rodgers uh, nearly winning the league season 13-14, which was, for me, such a rich 
surprised to be honest with you. you know it's something that we could all get carried away with and carried away i think in the best way there's people who don't like being carried away if you don't get carried to victory in the end there's people who, who grow quite resentful of that and i understand why none of us like to feel as though we've been sold a pup but for me that was that was a year where i felt able to sort of find a voice and find a way to communicate and find a way to to articulate certain things that i've always sort of thought about football but which began to crystallize Obviously, with Brendan, it doesn't sort of go so well uh, in the in the seasons that follow. And then we end up with Jurgen, and I'm absolutely convinced that part of Jurgen's story a little bit there's a there's a prologue which is thirteen fourteen where Jurgen, who's engaged obviously in the business of European elite football at that point, sees what Liverpool did in that season, sees what Liverpool could be, and I think it's part of what leads him to eventually become Liverpool manager in the October of twenty fifteen. And then I think from that point, the the wholehearted commitment to ultimately finding the essence of both people, of place, of moment, and of the humanity of all of this that I think Jürgen is about and the people that he works with in terms of wanting to create the space for them to be the best version of themselves is what I think is really important. And for me, it isn't necessarily the idea that Jürgen even inspires his players or supporters of Liverpool to be the best versions of themselves, although I think that is at times true. What I think he's been absolutely brilliant at is creating the space for people to do it in their own way at their own time. So we found out more about the charity work that, for instance, Liverpool players do, but also not just that they do charity work, but why they do charity work since Jurgen Klopp's been in than we ever have before. We found out and seen and lived the experience of Liverpool supporters having an absolutely enormous party around their football which they almost certainly did do in the past, but we've been able to understand it better and the rooms being created for it by Jurgen Klopp, in part because of his achievements, but also because of the personality. And I think that's where the, the professional sort of steps across into the personal. I've been fortunate from doing the Anfield Rap to be part of that, to fill that space to a certain extent. And Jurgen is, is a significant part of that. But what I, th I feel is that what I've sort of taken from Jurgen when I think of him, when you talk about those things that are all true, his honesty, his integrity, and his ability to, you know, to fight against adversity and the fact that he wants you to do that. But what I think he is also shown the ability to do by the way in which he is honest, by the way in which he treats people, by the way in which he interacts with, with, with colleagues and with the public and through the media, is he basically finds the way to try his best to leave room for people to be the best version of themselves. And he understands that that achievement of someone becoming the best version of themselves or as close to that as they can be, it's their achievement, it's not his. He's very humble and shows real humility around that. He's always wanting to put his players first, but he understands that that's the bit that matters, that if he's able to do anything or create any bit of space, it's the space for people to be the best version of themselves. And that's what you're talking about, that that's what he's inspired in you. He's not made you do it. What he's done, though, is he's maybe at times when you've thought and you've thought about circumstances, you've still done all the work, you've still done all the graft, but what he's been able to do is, and what you've been able to think about is that actually different things are possible, that the old ways of doing things aren't always the case. And I think it's really interesting now to flip it back to Jürgen's own professionalism. When you look at the reaction of, for example, Mikel Arteta around his Arsenal team, it's, an, it's a reaction that shows so much natural emotion in public. 
would that have been the case pre uh, pre Jurgen Klopp in terms of being able to create that space? Would he feel as though that was a style of management? It might have been something he would want to do, but would he feel as though it was a way that you're meant to manage, or would it be back to the austere school of you don't give too much away? You, the next game starts as soon as the final whistle goes on the first game. Jurgen doesn't believe that. He believes the celebrations for the previous game starts as soon as the final whistle goes on that game. I'm worried about the next game tomorrow morning. He thinks you're doing football wrong if you don't do it that way round. Because what he wants is he wants people's lives to be filled with that joy. But he can't make you fill it with that joy. He can just create the space where that joy can can sort of naturally occur. And that is, I think that is the, the brilliance of the man. I think it's the brilliance of the man on a personal level. I think it's the brilliance of a man on a sort of cultural and managerial level. But in terms of his the impact he's had on, for instance, Mainz, Dortmund and Liverpool, and all those who sail in her all around the world are hasten to add. That's what he's done. And for me, that is, it's the best form of leadership. You know, it's the, it's the form of leadership. I think we, when people refer to, they say that they wish that Jürgen was a politician or something like that. What they actually mean is they mean that they would like someone who filled the idea of the space can be filled with hope and potential rather than that you make people be better, rather than you force them to be better, rather than you authoritarily and sort of say you should be this person or that person. Instead, Jürgen says there is another way is possible this is the other way this is the space for it and that's what people mean when they think of him in that way and for me that's what you know i'm so fortunate you know i think about all the things i've written one of the things i'm most proud of that i've ever written is my match review of the game against shrewsbury town at anfield when it was managed by neil critchley not even by jürgen klopp and when it was played with all the youngsters and jürgen himself took himself you know literally took himself out of that space it would have been the easiest thing in the world for jürgen to have stood in the technical area and taken all that glory you think about what he did that day he created the space for those young young people for neil critchley and said there's this full cathedral you fill it you win it's your win not my win what a way to lead people and what a way to be that he, he to have that generosity of spirit and then what happens is they live up to his expectations they don't deserve to win the game in the sense of you know they don't create tons of opportunities because guess what they should probably get beaten by shrewsbury town shrewsbury town might actually be better players than them that day but they risk everything. They create the potential space. They fill the potential space. They take the victory. And that for me is that's the measure of the man. And that's the the measure, but the measure of the the the, the huge breadth of even though he himself wouldn't say it, he'd be unbelievably modest and he really wouldn't even think it either. But the huge breadth of intellectual, moral, sporting potential he offers people. And that's why he's worthy of these films that we're making. That's why everyone only has positive words to say about him. And that's what's special about him, that to to devolve your own leadership, but to say to people, you can be this version of yourself and I want you to be and I'll help you to be, but you've got to do the work. That takes real bravery and that's what Jurgen Klopp is and it's why I'd be proud of you if you feel as though you're a better person since he's been in. All he's done is basically say to you, Owen, a better person is possible and you've done all the work yourself to bring that about and he'd be proud of that. Well, thank you very much. It's a work in progress, let me say that. <laughs> but, it is for uh, all of us, including him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, no, wonderful answer. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, positivity and and joy and these kind of things. That Their words, as in the documentary, are associated with Jurgen Klopp. And it's a wonderful answer. But I want to talk about, the, you know, some of the joys. We've only got a few minutes to talk about it. But some of the joys that he's given you. Yeah. 
you know, going back in time. Because, I mean, for me, I don't have much, like millions of fans around the world. I don't have much of a story when it comes to match day, right? Because yeah. I sit at home and I watch, watch it on my computer. But you're lucky enough to be in the city to be going to the matches and for example if i you know you, you talked about the greatest hits of of jürgen in the past if you were to rifle through all of the wonderful wonderful games that jürgen's been a boss of and um you know pick one out any outs what would you pick you know my, memories the, my favorite ever moment supporting liverpool is probably the moment mohammed salah scores against southampton in uh, the March of 2019 to make it 2-1 uh, in the year that we were going for the title. And we don't win the league that year, but that was the moment where I was firstly utterly convinced we were going to, and I was right. I was just wrong by a year. Uh, but also where just the sheer sort of unbridled joy, and I was lucky, so lucky to be in, in the away end that night, the sheer unbridled joy of that at such a high level. And I remember coming away from the game thinking, if they do this, if they do this this year, it may never be like that again. Like this, that might be it. Like literally, you know, I often have a line I say on our show sometimes, you know, what's the best night out of your life and have you already had it yet? And I remember sort of coming from the ground. I remember writing, trying to write afterwards and, and, and doing some work, some audio work. I'm on the train back from Southampton to London and I'm, I'm crying and I'm crying onto the, the, the screen as I'm, you know, as I'm typing because, because I'm sort of like, I'm just sort of quite emotionally overwhelmed from the moments, the release, but also just maybe the realization that this could be it. This could be the thing. And that's, you know, that, that's really, you know, hugely significant really. And, and I still think that that league title was one that was won across two seasons Manchester City eventually just sort of go, well, for God's sake, just win it, will you? Because because we can't we can't handle this. And that part of that was, for instance, nights like that one where you know this was it was a side that we're just not going to be we're not going to take no for an answer eventually, and in the end they don't. So you know that's always been the, the the sort of the one. Whilst it isn't and doesn't even lead to theoretically at least the lifting of a trophy um, and all of that sort of stuff. That's always been the one that just was was the one that was most filled with with, with sheer potential. But there's you know there's so many. Divokarigi's goal against Everton in the one 0 will remain one of the, the the most joyous moments I've ever had in a football ground in any way, shape, or form. There, amazing. I was there, mm -hmm. and it was amongst the funniest things you've ever seen in your life. And <laughs> you know, you go through the list, and there's so many of them. There's so many miraculous moments. We've done a show on it on the Anfield Rap called Football Miracles, just under Jurgen Klopp. So many miraculous moments. Jurgen has, has been around for the Allison Becker header, even though there was no one in the ground against West Bromwich Albion. It, these things, they, you know, Kelleher in a variety of shootouts uh, and his winning, well, what became the winning penalty last season in the League Cup final. But then you could find something else 10 days later or 10 days before because this is back to film the space. Jurgen doesn't make the miracles happen. The footballers make the miracles happen. But it's Jurgen who puts into them over and over and over again. You are capable of the miraculous, and we will create the space for the miraculous. And guess what? You'll fill it. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. I think maybe we've got time for one more question, yeah. but even though I've got about 55 of them. Uh, but uh, just because I'm so excited to talk about Jurgen. But okay. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, where do I start? Um, transfer wise okay transfer wise i want you to pick your favorite one but just before i went i, I looked on transfer marked and pep guardiola for comparison has spent one billion and 46 million 
euros, 1 billion, 1.046 billion euros on players just since his time that he joined Man City. And Klopp, half of that, 532 million. It's 514 million less. Can you imagine? That's that's imagine you know adding five hundred and forty million of talent. But whatever, we can we can go wild with all that stuff. But who for you is Jurgen's greatest signing? I know you've been asked this question before. Yeah. But how do you feel today about it? Is it the same? Uh, so I, I think I, I've I move around a little bit on this because there's there's obvious there's obvious sorts of answers uh, in there where you know there's there's clear moments where, where things change but but for me the one who most sort of embodied the bit of Jurgen Klopp that this documentary is about and I think it will become sort of the defining era aspect is Sadio Mane I think and that's not to say I think Liverpool will have success both this season to be honest with you but also in in seasons to come but I think Genie Wijnaldum left and I think people sort of went, oh, was that a bit of an end of an era and all of that sort of stuff? And I don't think that Genie was ever central enough to, to the achievements. And that's not to be disrespectful to him at all. A phenomenal footballer present for some of the best, and present and responsible for some of the best moments in Liverpool's history. But I think if you look at, you know, Jurgen Klopp arrives at Liverpool in October of 2015. And yes, there's the Europa League run that season that brings in those brilliant nights against uh, Manchester United, Dortmund, Villarreal. Um, you know, there's a couple of, there's other big w results that season, away wins at Chelsea, away wins at Manchester, away win at Manchester City. Uh, also, you know, the 5-4 at Norwich. We love these moments, rightly, because they were, you know, they were part of Jürgen's overall journey. But for me, the whole thing in, in lots of ways, in terms of where the old, where his whole vision was, almost from day one, is kickstarted by Sadio. And Sadio's departure, I think, in the summer just gone. You know, you said before about the cells regenerating after seven years. It is Jürgen's seventh year. Jürgen's seventh anniversary is in the October of, of, of 2022. And that's part of the reason why we wanted to do the documentary, because it's seven years at Mainz, seven years at Dortmund, and then it'll be in seven years at Liverpool. And for me, the answer to the question that you've just asked becomes now Sadio Mane. If you'd asked me this 12 months ago... I possibly would have still said, say, Virgil van Dijk. I might even have said the goalkeeper. But now I think it is Sadio because, and the greatest, well, there's so many shames about Paris. I'll say the greatest shame of Paris. That's not true at all. But the, I think the greatest sporting shame about Paris is that I think Sadio Mane's last Liverpool game firstly should have been a victorious one, but also should have had him lifting the biggest prize in club football uh, before our very eyes. And we didn't quite know that when that game kicked off, that that's what we were looking at. It was Sadio Mane's last game in club football. But what he was part of in terms of getting to three European finals, winning one league, taking two other leagues to the final day, putting Liverpool back at the top table of European football in conjunction with Jurgen Klopp, what I think he he's offered in amongst all of that now means that there's quite possibly when we look back at Jürgen's Liverpool tenure, not least because I think Jürgen will sign a new contract. I think he'll do at least another couple of years on top of the 2026 date. I think that what you'll end up with is being able to talk about two phases of Klopp. And I think the departure of Sadio will end up being the bookend of part one. The arrival of... Darwin Nunez will end up being the the bookend that starts part two, uh, and then from there there'll then be the obvious end of Jurgen Klopp, which is when he leaves the club. But I think that that will be the line that cuts between the two.
Absolutely wonderful answer. I mean, I did look up Sadio Mane's stats. 245 starts for Liverpool, 120 goals and 38 assists. And that doesn't begin to tell, you know, the first page of the story. Because for me, it's, the, again, the joy, the happiness, the his snarl, his will to yes. win is going to live. You know, it's like the, the, the brilliance of his goals. He would whack them in, you know, none of it. When was the last time you saw Sadio like roll one in with the side foot? No, 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 no. His feet are saucepans and he thwacks the ball as hard as he can. And it's absolutely beautiful. Um, one final question about winning, about getting to those three finals and only winning one when, as you're absolutely right, we deserved more. And losing out twice to Manchester City, this sports washing uh, club, you know, backed by an oil state spending 500 million euros more uh, than us in, in, in the same period of time, really. Basically, um, there was a year difference between Guardiola joining City and Klopp joining Liverpool. But about winning, um, you know, our friend Fergus, a uh, friend of Copon, he, he said that, you know, Liverpool is about winning trophies. And in a way, by not winning as much as we should have done, it's a sense, he has a sense of regret. But I can't share in that regret. How I mean, because it's been so freaking great winning matches we you know we have the record for the most amount of consecutive wins we have so many records for winning so many matches no team has ever won 26 out of their first 27 they will never do it again i sometimes cheat at video games and even i can't get 26 <laughs> wins out of 27 but um you know like where do you stand on it is it is it the journey that has been so great or is it still tinged with disappointment that we haven't got as much glory as we should have done from these years i think the the, the journey has been great so you can and it's important to say the journey has been absolutely brilliant you know i've been lucky enough to interview jaeger on a few occasions and the only time i feel as though he's had anything close to a mild crossword with me was when i sort of said you know one of the reasons why it was brilliant to beat tottenham was it really framed the brilliance of the the victory against barcelona and it's like no 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 if we hadn't have beaten Tottenham, it still would have been absolutely brilliant anyway. Let me be crystal clear with you. And he's right. He's right about that. And you know, you can't you can't get too hung up on 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 yesterdays and tomorrows when the purpose of this for us as supporters is to live in the moment. I think the purpose for the footballers, though, is a little bit different. There's a mild contradiction in that from Jurgen, in that one of the things he talks about is tell the stories and show the medals when you when you when you know when your grandparents that is to come. And I do feel as though they are a little bit undermedaled, uh, to be honest with you. I think that that's, and it's fair to say that it's, it's simultaneously fair to say that that's mostly poor fortune rather than anything that's some sort of sporting inadequacy. You know, you mentioned the uh, the sports washing titan that we are up against there, but I think if you offered them right now rather than four league titles uh, from the last run that they've been on. If you offered them three league titles and one European Cup, they'd say, great. They'd say, we'll deal on that. We'd want that. Simultaneously, I think Liverpool are worthy in that period of two league titles and two European Cups. That that's a way you can carve that out. But what I mean to say that is that, therefore, our sports-washing titans, they themselves will feel a little bit undermedaled. They themselves haven't actually... There's a lot of... I think at times I feel there's a lot of chat in football, I think completely inadequately, in that it, it doesn't do the job of what football's meant to be. But... 
understandably, in a sense, when you support a club like Liverpool, people like to say, well, there should be a dynasty. But if you have a manager like Jurgen Klopp, you should have a dynasty. Well, Manchester City have had a manager like Pep Guardiola and all the money in the world. And I would argue they have not had a dynasty because I don't think you can call it that until there's a European Cup. Now, there might be one at some point soon. They this season could do the league and European Cup double. That's very possible. We need to, you know, allow for that. But I still think even in that period, they haven't bestrowed Europe like a colossus. They've instead had a vague sense whilst playing European football, even when they're playing it very, very well, as being a sideshow Bob about to step on a rake. They've always had that about them, whereas in the same period, Liverpool have bestrowed European football like a colossus, but simultaneously have only, unfortunately, because of running into another colossus in Real Madrid in a final setting, have had the misfortune. And I think in the second final, most definitely, you know, in hindsight, that game, Liverpool, and again, the off-the-pitch stuff doesn't help. Liverpool find themselves effectively not winning a game where they are the better side. Uh, if we're honest, they're the better side on the night and they are the better side in general in that period than Real Madrid. You know, it's a, it's a final that Real Madrid clawed their way to and this is about respecting that. Like, we should respect that they clawed their way to it, but they weren't, you know, they weren't pulling apart every single side in Europe. They were just doing what they needed to do. So I sort of both get to agree with you and your friend Fergus, which feels as though it's a little bit unfair, but... You know, if you add one more European Cup and one more league to this period, you wouldn't still say it was a dynasty because you another side would have won more of your league title than you in Manchester City. They would have won three uh, in the same in a, in a five year period where Liverpool had made Champions League finals and and competed at the highest level. But I think you you're able to say that Liverpool and whether we like it or not, Manchester City have been a little bit unfortunate that there isn't either more or different silverware in the cabinet over the period, I think is the case. I think four or five years for the five-year run that goes back from 2022 to 20, 2017, the two best teams, club or country on the planet, have been Liverpool and Manchester City. So they probably should both have won more silverware or different silverware. So I think that's worth bearing in mind. And then last season, Liverpool come within 10 minutes of their first ever domestic treble, treble. And within 10 minutes and a goal in a final of uh, of, a, of the football's first quadruple. If you can't love those journeys, if you can't love those journeys for what they are, then what are we all doing it for? And I think Jürgen Klopp himself would say that this is about the shared experiences and the journeys. The other stuff, hopefully it'll come. Hopefully it'll still come this season. Last season it came in the form of two trophies, two domestic cups. Hopefully it comes and hopefully it's still there. But it is important to say the journey is what matters most. Absolutely. And, and just to clarify, I disagree with Fergus. I know you disagree with Fergus. I'm split between the two of you. Oh, sorry. Yes, but just, just to be absolutely clear, because yesterday I looked at highlights back from the Roma game, because when I was researching this, going through all the great wins and stuff. And my word, we didn't win it that season, the Champions League that season, but oh, la, la. like, it's just beautiful, these memories. And as you said before, you know, beating Man United in, in, in knocking them out of the um, the Europa League and, and uh, you know, getting to that final. I've totally made my peace with it. I'm a journey man. Um, and it's been absolutely brilliant. But, you know, we've, we have been unlucky. Uh, you can't always predict what happens in life, as Jürgen might say. He's often being quite philosophical about life but what i can predict is that the anfield raps jürgen documentary will continue to be a huge success so thank you very much neil it's been a pleasure and um yeah hopefully speak to you again soon but every all the listeners go check it out subscribe to the anfield rap it's magnificent stuff uh so thanks thank very you. much thank you always a pleasure Owen.